Welcome to the Universe in a Glass, the podcast where we trade drinks with friends and share the stories behind our favorite beverages. As always, we are joining you from the historic Line Hotel in the heart of Washington, D.C.'s Adams Morgan neighborhood. We are joined today by Ignacy Segui, a Catalan grower and winemaker continuing a family tradition that dates back to 1405. Ignacy manages 120 hectares of a polycultural farm that produces everything from oil to honey, vegetables to cereals, eggs to wine, all of it certified organic. His 34 plus hectares of vineyards are devoted to a variety of native Catalan grapes, among them Chirillo Macabeo, Pereava, uh, the typical Cava Troika, as well as Monastrel, uh, rarities like Malvasi de Sitges and Sumo. Ignasi produces a staggering variety of bottlings under the Venus Singular's label, uh, turning out wines of place in a non-interventionist style at turns, fresh and diverting, penetrating and profound, but always memorable. Thank you for joining us, Ignasi. Thanks for our invitation. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, uh, before, just, you know, for the sake of those joining us for the first time, the premise here uh, is blessedly simple. We each have a bottle to share with each other. Uh, Ignasi uh, has a lot of wines um, in his stable, but today we're shining a light on uh, his single vineyard, Chirillo. Um, it's from a plot called Salinar. Uh, I've responded uh, naturally with the South African one um, that uh, comes from similar salty origins. It's a palomino from South Africa's Adi Badenhorst called Sut van der Ott, or Salt of the Earth. Uh, and apologies to all the Afrikaans speakers out there. Uh, we'll taste through them both while riffing about life and wine along the way, and then I'll close things out with a bit of Catalan poetry dedicated to our guests. Uh, if you like the sound of what we're drinking, both wines, well, I mean, both wines are available at, at Revelers. Uh, certainly, uh, we're always uh, thrilled to feature uh, Vinus Singularis uh, across both restaurants, and uh, you'll find those at Washington's premier wine and pasta bar directly across the street from our Line Hotel studio. That is Revelers Hour. Uh, Ignacy, again, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, before we dive into the wines, a few questions about um, your life on the land, the property uh, that you work, has been in the family for over six centuries at this point. It's a long time. Yes, yeah, like this. <laughs> My family has been managing the same estate from 1,405. I'm the 23rd generation. 23rd growing, generation, wow. I'm growing and winemaking there. And I always say that the or wine history is the same, or most of the same history that the Penedes Appellation, that's where we are, place it. Uh, we are placed in the south of Barcelona, between Barcelona and Tarragona, in Catalonia, northeast of uh, Spain. Uh, and we are placed in the middle of the Peninsular region that is well known, especially for the sparklings like Cava, no? that a lot of people know. And we are in the center. Eh? Penedès is a big valley surrounded by the sea, by the mountains. There's the river, Llobregat River in the south of Barcelona. And there's the Roman, uh, the Roman uh, settlements the in ruins, the south, yeah. in Tarragona, very special, no? And yes, Paxis is where we are. It's a small village of 1,000 people. And what is the name of your village? Uh, Pax, P-A-C-S. Uh -huh. It's very small. We are just living there, 1,000 people. And so I mean, you know all your neighbors. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> all of them. <laughs> we are very close to Vilafranca del Penes. That's the capital of the region. Yeah. And yes, uh, we have a long history, but the region has a long history. How many of your neighbors are also winemakers? In the village, we are 1,000 people, and there are five wineries. Yes. But uh, perhaps there are about 100 farmers, too. Oh, okay. That growing uh, vines and yeah. producing grape to sell to another wineries. Yeah. Now, did you grow up um, as a farmer? Uh, were, your, were your parents working farmers? Uh, I was... You know, I always say the same, no? that, that uh, the wine and the grape always has been in our table during all our life. Yeah. You know? The wine in a bottle or just talking about the grape, about the wines, about the season. Eh? But it's true that my my parent, uh, he was far, he was away from the state because he worked in another another sector, no? And the state was managed by some employees that we had on the farm. Okay. And I came back to the state to manage the state and to uh, start winemaking again. No? Uh, what are your earliest memories of uh, 
wine and vineyards? Yes, uh, um, the conversation is one of the best memories I have. But I remember that when I was a child, I was about five, six years old. I remember when we make the wine on the old winery. I, I remember the smell. I remember the movement, the people coming with the grapes. And that was very busy. Everybody was very busy. But I remember the, the smells that I remember from when I was six, seven years old, I always will have on my head. No? It's the, the smells of the, of the grape, of the grape juice, of the, the rape. No? And does that come back to you when you're on the crush pad you know, at harvest, uh, working each year? Yes, I work at so many harvests on yeah. the family because uh, if you are far away for the harvest, everybody was on the state working there. My father uh, driving the tractor and me bringing water to the workers first and then uh, helping them on the harvest too. Then the harvest, I made so many harvests and I love the harvest. It's a yeah. very special season. It's true that it has changed a lot, especially with the machinery you now, the, the magic of the, of the harvest. Not in our case, but before there was a lot of people on the vineyards all the day making the harvest, no. And now there are a few people that is picking the grapes by hand. Yeah. <coughs> and the machines has changed the, a little bit the, the history of the. Yeah, it's a little less. Ro it's a little less romantic if you have a mechanical <laughs> harvester than it is if all your you know friends yes, and neighbors are helping you pluck the grapes. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, now, what was that wine like? The wine that uh, you were smelling as a child, the wine that your family was making, um, is that? You know, was that like the wine that you make now, or was it uh, different? Uh, when I was six, seven, I, I didn't taste the wines, but I imagine <laughs> I imagine that their goal was the same. Yeah. They are very focused, like me, on the vineyard. They were for, on growing grapes because they made the wine and they had to sell the, the wine, not bottled, but in a big quantities. Yeah. They sold the wine to another wineries. Then they were really focused on produce a, a good quality wines because everybody was selling the the wine on their farm to the same people, then the wine has to be better than the other ones. Yeah. No? But what we try to do is, is we try to, to make the same wine they made it. Uh, uh, we improved the, the methods perhaps because we have another technology that they haven't yeah. at this moment, but with the same goal, eh? to have uh, real wines that comes from old vineyards that express what is our terroir, uh, to show what is behind every bottle, the family who is behind, and writing our name and putting the bottles on the table because I, we want that the people enjoy the wine as much as possible. That was brilliant. Now, you work with a lot of different uh, native Catalan grapes. When you know your 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 family was making wine as you were growing up, were they um, you know separating the different grapes? Were they making single varietal Chorello, Pareada, Macabeo, Sumol, or was everything going in together? Well, when when I was a child, I think that there was just three three white grapes on the state and a small part of of Sumo, You know, there's the red grape that we had there, yeah. and because they sold all the all the wine for Cava makers, yeah, and this is the reason why they have Macabeo, Charello, and Parellada. And they had Sumoy because they made their own wine for consumption with Sumoy. And yeah. this is the reason why they kept a small plot of Sumoy for their own wine. No? But oh, they make it separately. No, not the whites, because the, the whites, usually they fill the tanks but, uh, with, the, with the grapes that they were picking. No? Uh -huh. But yes, when I was a child, they, they mix it. They, they don't mix the wine. They, they have the Macabeo tank, the Chero tank, the Parella tank. But before... Yes, they did it because my grandfather, my grandfather explained to me that they they mix every all the white wines they have in a tank, and after the harvest they press. Then all the wines were different than when I was seven. That the, the, the wines were mostly di direct pressed, no, because they needed the wine to make a cava. That the macerator has no sense. But before all the wines were macerated because they had no time. Yeah, they had no time to, to process the wine, to press the wine every day. And they put the grape, they distame the grape every day and put in a tank. And after the harvest, it means that one month later, they took off all the grape and they press. And then all the wines were orange or brisat, yeah. like yeah, yeah. we say in Catalonia. No? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the historic style. This is it. Oh, brilliant. Now, did you always know that you wanted to be a farmer? Uh, I always enjoyed a lot. Yeah with the conversations. I always enjoyed a lot uh, walking around the Banias. I always enjoy a lot uh, the landscape that we have, that we have good luck no? that, that, to have this landscape. 
uh, I think that we we had the the farming in our DNA. Yeah. <laughs> because after so many years, I think that we have a part of our DNA that the farmer is in, no? Yeah. So it was in your blood. Yeah, I think. Now, I, did I'm, you did you study um, agronomy in university, or did you no, uh, study something else? No, I didn't study nothing about winemaking, nothing about farming. And okay, I would love to study something, but uh, when I arrived to the farm, the type of um, the agricultural they practice, how they manage the soil, was far away of my idea, no? Because we're very conventional and it's something that I thought that something didn't work as I would like. So and I decided to start by myself, to make improves and to change the philosophy. And perhaps I'm gonna study because I'm really interested in studying and learning something. But at this moment, I didn't want it to. So they were, they were using pesticides and herbicides? Yes. And yes, yes, chemical yes, fertilizers? Like, like everybody, like yeah. everybody on this moment, we're talking about 15 years ago. Yeah, just after, after the war. The people used it because they didn't know yeah. what they were doing. I think so. Yeah. The farmers, they didn't. They did use it. You will have less work. You are going to produce well, they, more. Well, they probably didn't have as many options. For sure. For sure. But I think that they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. But uh, when I was a child, I remember that I was with my, <coughs> with my parents, with my grandparents after raining. We, we, we go away at night and we pick snails. Oh, yeah. A lot of snails for eating. And when I arrived to manage this, there was no snails, no? I think, wow, well, there's no snails, there's no butterflies, oh, there's no huh. life, no? Yeah. And I thought, there's something that we are making so bad, no? And I thought that we had to change, no? I, my idea was to work uh, with the nature, no against the nature. Yeah. And we changed a lot of the types of managing or the systems of managing the, the soil that they were doing before. So you took control of the property in 2012? On 2011. 2011? 2011, um, yeah. Did you have experience working at other wineries, working uh, at other farms at that point? Or were you just kind of diving no. in and learning as you went? I, had a, uh, I was very interested on the wine. On the wine? Not in all the wines, I was drinking a lot of wine. I had a lot of friends that were making wine. And on 2012, uh, I had the opportunity to do a harvest with the friends that has a winery. The, the winery is Mascandi. And we had the opportunity to work with them. And I worked with them on 12 and 13, mm -hmm. a little bit of 14. Yeah, I helped them on the harvest. And we, I started there with them. No? Then. I had my own winery and with the same philosophy than them, but some changes of yeah. the method. But uh, my base of winemaking is there. No, it comes from Mascandi in the same region where we are. No. Yeah, it feels like an exciting time to be in Catalonia because you have um, this explosion of uh, gastronomy, you know, mm -hmm. in in the in the region, but also you know in Penedith, a region that is um, you know really diverse in terms of the kind of grapes that are grown there and the, you know, the, the various terroir, whether you're closer to the sea or, or higher in the mountains. And then, you know, beginning after, you know, I think with your, with your generation, you have more producers that are wanting to work in a non-interventionist style and wanting to experiment a bit. Did you feel like you were kind of part of a, a bigger movement in taking over the family farm? I think that now we are in a very good moment when we started uh, on... 11, 12, the situation was really different and we opened a uh, different trail with this type of wines, eh? with this type of... Uh, at last, we, we, I think that I'm a part of a movement that uh, has allowed that another young people that owns the vineyard had the opportunity to start winemaking and now it's, it's boiling. No? The, the yeah. region is boiling in new wines, new wineries, a lot of grapes, a lot of type of vinifications. I think that we are in a very sweet moment on this way, and the people is is proud again, no, to be farmers, no, because uh, the reason why my my father wasn't working on the farm because their parents uh, they didn't want that they work on the farm because the farmers were the the last 
step yeah. Yeah, on, yeah, the, yeah. on the society. You know? I, they, they work really hard because my father and my uncles study something different than farming, no? because farming has no future in this moment. No? And, but now, I think that has changed. Working a lot, working a lot, but I think that we are in a sweet moment for the farming on all region. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, especially for the sake of, you know, viticulture, um, you know, there, there's something more sophisticated about it, you know, seemingly more sophisticated about it. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, farming, you know, has more cachet, uh, or at least winemaking does, uh, than, you know, it might have in your, you know, father and grandfather's generation. Sí, 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 sí. Um, it's hip to be a vigneron. Bueno. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, at any rate, uh, you were saying that uh, I was asking you before we started recording about, you know, your winemaking style. And you were saying essentially it came about because you weren't trained as a winemaker. You know, you were trained as, as a farmer and you make wine the way you do because um, you want the wine to express the work that you're doing in, um, in the vineyard. Now... That said, your wines are, are very sophisticated, and, and I think you know they're very clean. You know, for low intervention uh, uh, wines, uh, did you kind of learn any tricks of the trade in the harvest that you worked with friends in the region? You know, were there particular um, you know bottles of wine that made an impact on you? Other winemakers that made an impact on you as you were learning? Yes. Uh I taste a lot of wines, uh, so many wines. I'm really interested on everything. And we talk with my friends always about winemaking, about wines, about miners, especially about winers. I think that our big difference is that we invest a lot on the miners. I think that's the big difference that we can have, that a farmer can have between uh, another industry that is buying grapes, is that they have all the control from the production of the grape. That's a big difference. No? If you have a healthy... Uh, balance and good grapes is more easy to make uh, healthy, balanced good and wines. expressive wines. Yeah. No? Then this is the reason why we are really focused on improve our farming or buying growing. No? Yeah. Yeah, no, I think good ingredients equals good outputs more often than not. Um, now, we're drinking a single varietal Chirillo here and um, this is a, a single vineyard wine uh, as well. Um, can you tell me about uh, the vineyard, Salinar? Yes. Uh, Salina is... Uh, Salina, first of all, the name of the vineyard comes because Salina is a Catalan word that we use to identify a salty place. Uh -huh. uh, and is uh, always the, the, vineyard, the vineyard has... Uh, had this name, no? And reading a family book, I... I found this name in a book uh, from my ancestors wrote on 16th century that they talked about the Salina plot where they were with the cows and they grow vegetables. They, they didn't grow vines there, but the name was Salina. No? The, the more curious uh, thing about this plot is that, okay, it was Salina, but I didn't know why. No? Uh, and once a time we made a hole uh, on, the, on the plot because I wanted to put an amphora in. Okay. And after some time, I realized that there was so ribbons, white ribbons, and I tasted dry ribbons and it was salt. No? Oh, interesting. <laughs> it was totally salty, and I understood why. This is the reason why our ancestors yeah, so this place salt deposits salt in the no? soil. Because it's salty soil. No? Oh, really cool. Now, uh, what are the soils like there? I know, I know that um, uh, the region you're in, the larger region you're in, Penedith, is, is known for really kind of calcareous limestone-heavy soils. Is that the case in... Uh, Salinar? Si, si, si. We are in the middle of the valley of Penedès, and all the middle of the valley on the, is, a, is a limestone valley, very calcaric. The, the soil is quite white, not, not brown. No? And, but I think that one of the, the big difference that we are very close to the Mediterranean Sea, about 10 kilometers in, on a straight line, and we receive the influence of the sea, especially in the hot seasons, no? uh, spring and summer, that every afternoon after lunch arrives the, the air, la brisa. You can, no? you can smell the la marinada. La marinada. You yeah, can yeah, smell yeah. the air that comes with the what salt. Do you, uh, no? What do you, you call it? La maritama? Marinada. Marinada. Uh, la, oh, la marinada. marinada. Uh, marinada. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, a typical wind that comes from the sea. To the to us, no? Yeah. After because the difference of temperature between the 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 water and the the, the terroir, no? Yeah. 
<laughs> Has it always been Shirello that was planted uh, in in this particular site? The bueno, Salina is in the middle of our state because yeah. our state is quite continuous, surrounding all the village of Pax, no? and Salina is one of these plots. And in this plot is this this banner is just half hectare, but the plot of Salina is about uh, five and a half hectares. Then we have Charello. <coughs> this is the old plot of Charello that yeah. is about 70 years old. Oh, wow. But we have another Charello that we use to make another sparkling called Mini Pusa that we use this Charello. Uh, but we have a field blend of white and red Grenache. Then we have another field blend of, of Charello, red Charello, Monastrell, Forcada and Moneu. We have Sumoy too, the Sumoy that we tasted yesterday, not that comes from this plot too. That is a, is a big plot. And this uh, binary is, is a small part of this plot in the middle, no? That now, Chirello is, uh, you know, for the uninitiated, a grape that constitutes the bulk of a lot of cava blends. And mm. um, it retains acid really beautifully uh, as, it, as it ripens. It also has pretty thick skins, no? See, Chirello, bueno, Chirello is, is quite uh, strong about yeah. the diseases, no? It's, it's the, 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 the thing is, the thick, uh, the, the skin is, Normal, it's not thick. Okay. The Macabeo, for example, is thicker than thicker. the Charello yeah, yeah. and Parellada too. But uh, Charello, I think that what he's giving is not a well-flavored grape, yeah, depending on the plot, uh, but it's not a well-flavored But, but uh, Charello is the structure of the sparkling scava. It's the backbone. It's giving the freshness. Yeah. No? Uh, it's the volume that comes from the Charello. No? Now, does the Charello at El Salinar taste different than Charello that you grow elsewhere? On the estate, see, I think so. I think so, and we tasted so many times, and we have a lot of charellos, no? As I explained to you, we making sweet, we making sparkling, sparkling macerated in chestnut, uh, another in amphora. We make so many different charellos, but this is a very special plot, and we realized when we made the wine separately from the other ones because before we mix it this plot into another charello and but once a year i decided because we make so many proofs and we decided to put uh, separate a part of this production into and we realized that wow this is charello is very different than the other ones no and we decided to make in a single label no yeah uh, how long have you been making this as a single vineyard wine the first harvest of salina is 2016. Sorry, because uh, no, no, I'm making cool. 35 different wines. And, <laughs> uh, has it? I mean, yes, but I, I think that's 16, the first harvest of Salina. That's a, that's a lot. Uh, has, have, have you always made that many? or? Uh? Yes, from no, uh, we started on 12 with two wines. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now we are about. Uh, last year, 35. This year, we, we suffered a very hard hailstorm and we lost a lot, oh, about 70% of the grape. And we made just 20 different wines yeah. because we had no grape. And, but we usually make about 30 grape, thirty wines, yes. Did your wife ever tell you, just like, stop, you know, 34 is enough, you don't need another one? Or, uh... <laughs> no, she doesn't, she doesn't know. She doesn't know <laughs> how many wines. <laughs> Since we bought it, like, we put it on a, on a shelter, no? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Or you, you just you keep it in like a like a back room in the in si, the cellar. Si. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's your secret secret si, project. Si. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're tasting uh, right now the the 2019. Um, how much kind of uh, variation is there from year to year uh, where you are in Penedith? Every year, the my opinion is that the wines has to change. Yeah, has to change, but has to have the same soul. Yeah, eh? yeah if it yeah. comes from a unique vineyard, they have to say have the same soul, and but yes, it's changed because the the climate has changed. Nineteen to twenty is very different. Twenty is a very hard year, a lot of rain, uh, mildew everywhere, and then more water, uh, less concentration. Yeah, and nineteen was a very good harvest with a very good ripeness and good acidity, something unusual too. Then yeah. we, are comparing, we are in comparison with two very different years. No? If we taste 21 and 22, for example, 21 and 22 is more similar because dry year, mm, quite similar moment to pick the grapes, but 19 and 20 are very different. 19 yeah. is, uh, for me, one of the best harvests in Penedès, 13 and 19. And 20 was, at last, wasn't a bad 
harvest. Challenging. But it was very difficult to yeah. work on this. On this. But so I feel like sometimes, you know, as a winemaker, you must have a sentimental weakness for some of the, you know, more challenging wines. <laughs> si, si. Uh, my now the, the the reality about the climate change that there are people that say that doesn't exist, but I I'm sure that exists. No, I don't think the Is people that, that say it doesn't exist aren't winemakers. Yeah, <laughs> or they're not farmers at the very least. Yeah, si. yeah. Uh, but uh, before, when I was a child, talking with my family, they said, hey, before, uh, during 10 years, there was a strange harvest, one. And now, in 10 years, is one good and normal harvest. Oh, interesting. The other nine are totally different, no? Then something's happening, no? Because yeah. in just uh, 30 years, the situation has changed a lot, no? Yeah, it's interesting. I know in um, in Burgundy, a lot of people talk about 2003 as this inflection point. So there's like Burgundy as it was before 2003, and then after 2003, just a different wine. You might as well, like, see. might be a different region, you know, entirely. See, see, see. And, you know, I think there is there is this uh, point of departure. And, you know, I think it, it's been different, you know, from region to region. Um, and, you know, in some places, it's meant that their wines are ripening more reliably, but mm-hmm. it does, and it has meant consistently more extreme weather events as well. So you're getting hail, I imagine, more than you have historically. Si, 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 si. It's, it's, it's changing. Uh, it's true that uh, as more as more balanced you have the vineyards, and you control the production, and the 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 things doesn't change or change less. Yeah. That if you are focused on a big production and plow, plow to produce more, and you are the, the change are uh, the things are changing faster for you. But if the plants are good, are uh, balanced, and the production is good, mm, we are quite similar. A little bit earlier, but not so earlier the harvest than other ones. No. Yeah. And we get the good balance between alcohol and acidity, and, and sugar and acidity, and it's what we are trying no? to, to fight against with the things that we have on our hands that we can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, are you always making this wine the same way regardless of the vintage? Um, yes. When we started on, on 15, uh, we didn't know how to make this wine. Yeah. No? And because we didn't know. And it means that on 16, we make two proofs because on 15, we made in a barrel. And on 16, we make a part in inox, another part in a barrel. Is this always to, just it, to know is this which chestnut one is as well, or uh, huh? is this chestnut? Uh, this is chestnut. Yeah, yeah. The, the, all the wood that we use is chestnut. Oh, interesting. And, and, but we made some proof. At last, we realized that I think we think that the best way to show the miner and to show the wine was making a short maceration of two days, yeah, and then pressed and fermented in chestnut, no movements, and just lets the wine. Uh, be relaxed into yeah. the barrel and then in a bottle because it's 19 it means that is uh, for four years from three and a half years ago uh, we bottle on uh, July 20 yeah. the, the 19 and 21 was in August or July yeah. 22 no? now are you working with chestnuts just because that was what historically was locally available in Catalonia was it more common than oak I work at always in chestnut because, as I explained to you before, we had an, an old winery, yeah, a family old winery that we don't use now. We use because it's very big, and we use a small one that I built. Uh, and this old winery, there were just uh, chestnut barrels. Uh, the the barrel make it came, and I asked him, "What? Which type of wood is it? Uh, which type of bar?" I told me it's old chestnut, and I thought, okay, but why? And then I started to study why. Uh, was chestnut, why the people use chestnut and I realized that the chestnut was the the wood available for them and then uh, I decided to work like them, no? to try to keep the character of their ancestors no? on winemaking and I always say the same, chestnut is not better than oak, I'm not using chestnut because it's better than oak but in my opinion, is more traditional. For us, as I explained, yeah. the tradition is very important. No? And I think that's a part very important to show the character of, of a region. No? Work with indigenous grapes, work uh, on the traditional way, and use the typical tanks they use it to make the wine. No? If you have a long history in winemaking in a region, I think that we have to try to keep as much as possible. No? Are there a lot of chestnut trees in Catalonia? 
in the north, in the north, uh, the chestnut that we use comes in the comes from the north of Barcelona in the Montseny forest. Oh, okay. Is a well, it's a quite quite is big. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For USA, it's very small. <laughs> I'm sure about it. Big but enough, just for, big for enough to make big, barrels out. Yeah, yeah. Is big. <laughs> yeah, because I think of uh, I don't know. I think the landscape, and I, I don't think of of Catalonia, especially by the sea. I don't think of like big trees. I think of like no, no. you have like cypress. You know, so, you have pines, but I don't I, think of. You know, pine's not not necessarily good for for, for barrels. And, no, I, I, uh. I never tried. I tried the, the cherry. I tried the cherry tree. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I tried the acacia. That's another type of wood. Yeah. I tried the oak. The first on 2012 with the macabeo we made in oak because. Oh yeah. Someone gave me the barrel and yeah. I had no money. Yeah, yeah. And okay, I'm gonna use this barrel. <laughs> yeah, th I think it's it's interesting. I think most consumers just assume when you say wood in the context of wine that you're dealing with oak and. You know, historically, there's so many more, you know, types of wood that were sí. used. And, and it just had everything to do with what was locally available. It was, it was more practical, you know, sí, than, sí, sí, sí. than it was a conscious stylistic choice. But um, uh, I, I like chestnut. It tends to be, for me, it's a little more oxidative than, than oak. You know, we talked yesterday sí. about, you know, grows faster. So the grain's kind of not as tight. Um, and, and I think especially for a grape like Chirillo that has this just really racy acid streak, it... You know, I like to imagine that during the, the wine making it, it relaxes the wine a little bit, you know, kind of puts it at ease. See, uh, as you told, no, the, the, we use the, the chestnut. I think that the, the difference between the, the chestnut and the oak is, the is more oxidative and the, the wines evolution faster than in, in oak, no? And the other difference between is that mm, don't give to the wine notes like vanilla like yeah. other spices that you can find with the oak and it's not we are we aren't looking for it eh? we are trying to show the grape yeah. and we don't want to add nothing no, to the grape and that's, that's very interesting and sometimes in different wines the chestnut has the capacity of the to increase the fruity tasting of the wine oh interesting in my opinion yeah mm, if you have both one in uh, steel tank another in chestnut sometimes the Looks like more fruity, the one oh, in, the cool. chestnut, in the chestnut barrel, yeah. Yeah. Um, the 19 is, is, it's interesting, you made a point about that being kind of this blockbuster vintage for you. It's a very structured wine. So, you know, both for the taste of, you know, this mouthfeel, which is kind of enveloping, and then the acidity is just really racy. And, and it's a, a salty wine, and I can imagine this aging for decades on end. I always, I think that this is a wine, the 19, no, uh, is a wine that... Um, has a long lime in front. Yeah. For me, in my opinion, has a long lime in front because well structured, no nothing strange, no uh, good acidity and fruity and I don't know what is how it's gonna evolution. No? Yeah. But we'll we'll have the possibility to continue evolution. Yeah, it feels kind of aristocratic. You know, it's it's a little more serious. And then it was fun to try the twenty because it's um. Uh, less structure, you know, in, in that wine, but, you know, maybe a little more approachable too, you know, maybe just kind of a little more diverting. So um, for me, it smells more fruity, 20 yeah, than, yeah, absolutely. than 19, no? And 19 smells more like uh, hydrocarbures, I don't know the, the name of, uh, in English, sorry, eh? like, How do you like say a it Riesling, is? no? Okay, well, uh, oh, yeah, pet like a little petrol, like, so yeah, uh, like yeah. petrol, and yeah, 19, yeah, absolutely. no less, but, but uh, last year, no, 19 was you notice more the petrol flavor than now, no? That has an evolution, no? Had yeah. An evolution. Yeah, yeah, And 20 perhaps is more fruity. But I think that the one of the big difference about the season is that one is one year older than the other one. Yeah, <laughs> too. yeah, yeah. That uh, in a year, when I came back, when I come back and we taste again 21 and 22, eh? we, will, <laughs> we will notice what's happened with 20 and 21, no? Uh, I think that there's a part that is from the aging, no, too? Yeah. So you can never kind of compare them on even terms. They're always uh, always going to be separated by, you know, See, for me, year, year, For me today is a good opportunity because uh, 19 is totally sold out. I have oh, cool. no bottle. I think that yeah, I have yeah. two bottles on my winery. All the bottles are here in... in oh, wild. 
in rich in you don't you don't keep any back just to, to I age have, yes i try but when some friends come i, op- <laughs> I always open bottles no? last time when sean came we yeah, opened yeah, a bottle yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah. Next, last week came another friend and we opened another one uh, i have no space with 35 wines you have to to keep uh, two cases of every one in 10 years Imagine how many cases I have to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impossible. <laughs> well, and I think especially, you know, you're, you know, still in, you know, just, you just celebrated, you know, your, your, your first decade of winemaking. And, you know, as a younger winery, a lot of times you don't have the luxury to, you know, hang on to things. You know, you need to keep selling and, and keep producing. Yes, of course. Uh, now, uh, no, last year we, we made we made we made a party because it was our 10th anniversary. That for us, is not a lot. I, I I know that it's not a lot for the winery 10 years, but for yeah, us it's very important because uh, we worked really hard yeah. to to make 10 years. No, and the winery and we know and my family knows uh, the cost of arrive uh, 10 years old. No, a winery and and the the the. Sorry, uh, the question is uh, sorry. No, no, it's it's I, okay. Because well, the the, the in ten years, uh, I think that we evolution a lot because every year we are learning. Or one of our favorite sentence is that we will try that next year the wines will be better. Eh? Always this thinking. I I think that's one of the characteristic of the winery that we are we are thinking how to improve. Uh, or farming, how to improve our winemaking, and how to improve that the people enjoy more the wines. No? Yeah. And I think that we, can, we have a, a good trail to run again yet. No? Yeah. <laughs> now, were you able to open any of the bottles from your first vintage when you celebrated your 10th anniversary? Did you have any saved? We opened some. We opened yeah. some. We opened some. Not, not, no. well, yes, we opened both because on 12 we just had two wines. Yeah, yeah. But we opened, we, we as some friends, a lot of friends came, no? We opened 12, 13, 14s, 15s, all the bottles that I had. No? Yeah. Like in the COVID, in the COVID we sent it <laughs> wines because the people was at home and we made some some of our old stock, we send it to friends oh, uh, by free because they enjoy it. Uh, to yeah, try yeah. To, that they be happy during the COVID. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, it's like a, a virtual coming together uh, for the sake of emptying the cellar. Yes. <laughs> when, uh, they come, when they come, <laughs> we empty the cellar very fast. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, now, uh, I brought along a, a bottle of my own. It's very different than uh, yours, but I was inspired by... Um, uh, name of this place and, and some of the uh, continuity for the sake of um, the site um, production technique and um, you know I think flavor profile. So uh, this is from from South Africa and is from uh, Svartland, uh, which is north of Cape Town. And um, the landscape is is you know to my mind not altogether different than than Catalonia because you have um, this maritime influence. Um, you know these. A lot of prevailing winds, uh, you know, in the case of South Africa, they're, they're even cooler because they're coming up off of, you know, Antarctica. Um, uh, but, you know, very mountainous um, environment, kind of a drier uh, Mediterranean uh, climate there. And, and this is a wine from Adi Badenhorst. Um, most of uh, the um, wines that you make come from vineyards that uh, have kind of older uh, soils. So there's a lot of uh, granite. There's a lot of shale um, in uh, the Svartland, but this particular plot is uh, limestone, uh, and uh, the grape is Spanish. Um, it's definitely not a Catalan grape, um, but a Spanish grape, uh, Palomino, and uh, most people are familiar with Palomino, uh, if they're familiar with it at all, uh, in the context of sherry, um, and it is the source material for um, you know, pretty much every dry sherry uh, that you can, you can think of. The sweeter ones typically come from Pedro Jimenez, um, but uh, it's, it's an interesting grape. It's um, in terms of where it's grown, uh, it has something in common with Shirolo. We were talking in, uh, before we uh, started recording about you know, differences, though, because it's not a grape that's quite as acid-driven. You know, it doesn't retain acidity uh, quite as well as, as Shirolo does. Um, and this is a wine that's salty. Um, the uh, vineyard is called Sudvanda uh, Ott. Uh, um, uh, the winemaker, Adi, is, is quite a character. 
Um, he calls this every hipster's wet dream of old vine palomino on limestone soils. Um, uh, pressed into 500 liter barrels and it spends uh, a year in cask thereafter. Um, we were saying I wouldn't be surprised if this sees a little bit of time on the, on the skins before he, he presses. Um, you leave the shrello on the skins for a couple days before you press. Si, you know? si, 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 si. And why do you do that? Why? Um, as you know, uh, there are different reasons why we macerate the wines, but we macerate all the wines, more or less, but in this case, two years, two days, sorry. Because uh, most of the yeasts that they are on the vineyard are on the skin of the grape. Then, as we work with the spontaneous fermentation, mm -hmm. we need all the yeast we can. This is one of the reasons. It's very important, this reason. The other one is because uh, most of the flavors, most of the uh, things that you can taste comes from the pulp and from the skin, too. Yeah. And this is the reason why you must say it. And the other one is because the skin... Uh, contains uh, part of the antocyanins. Uh, I don't know, sorry, in English, but that are protecting the wine. And yeah. if you if you aren't working with any sulfur and any preservative for the wines, uh, old help is is good. No, <laughs> and it's yeah, well you need all the help you can get, especially for the white wines. Now, do you add any sulfur dioxide to any exactly. of your cuvées? <laughs> we never add sulfur at the moment. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, but at the moment, we never add it yeah, to, to, any, to any wine. No, no, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I think it's like one thing not to add sulfur, but uh, your wines are consistently clean and, and um, undiminished for it and better for it, and, and that's really hard to carry off. Um, Adi does add a little bit of sulfur um, at, at bottling uh, to his wine, but otherwise, this is made with you know native yeast. Um, uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's a richer wine uh, than, than the Sorello. It's kind mm. of like uh, creamier, more enveloping. Um, uh, but kind of similarly salty um, uh, as well. Um, uh, again, the site is uh, Sut Fanda uh, Ada, which is salt of the earth in, in Afrikaans. This is it. Now that I retasted the wine, mm, mm, I like it more than the, the first, no? because I'm, I'm trying to identify, uh, I don't know the climate, but I imagine... Uh, uh, hot summer. Yeah. Eh? I imagine a hot summer, uh, sun exposition, mm, quite harder than us, no? Yeah. 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 I think that is interesting because if you have the capacity to see what is behind the, the glass, no? Is that mm, is good because they are explaining us the terroir, no? I imagine the soil too. Uh, it's very interesting too. Um, yeah, I mean, I think your wine, it does, you know, the, especially the 19 has more of this kind of um, like salty petrol, you know, kind <laughs> of streak, salty waxy. Uh, this is more like salted caramel um, almost, um, you know, salted, toasted um, uh, kind of uh, fullness. Um, but they're both still salty, you know, which, which always like leads me to this question, you know, where does the saltiness come from? Uh... From the soil, you think it's from, <laughs> from the, the soil? soil? Is it from, from the, the soil? soil? Is it from the grape? Is it and from, from the... the? Yes, I think that the, at last, um, most of the things that you find, uh, as you know, some of the the, the wines uh, with no sulfurated. If you make analysis, there are some sulfur in it. No, there's there's a total sulfur in it, uh, uh, free sulfur in the wine, and um, this this one comes from the feeding, no, from the yeah. soil. If there's more more or less sulfur. On the soil and the, the capacity that has the plants to to keep it. No, if you have alive soils, eh, the the wines usually are more rich because there's the bacteria and microorganisms that are making their work. That is making the minerals available to the plants. No, but if you have a dead soil, uh, you are adding uh, nitrogen, uh, phosphor, potassium, and there's the, just three minerals for the plants, and it's not buried. Uh, yeah. <laughs> feeding. No, and it depends on the soil. There's a part that comes from the treatments too, no? because when you, pro when you protect the, the, the binaries against powder mildew, for example, no? you have to use sulfur to protect them, and there's a part for sure that comes from the binary too, yeah. from the treatments you do. Right? Yeah. So you think the land itself transmits yes. that saltiness yes, to, yes, to yes, the grapes? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did some digging. I was trying to you know, see if there are any, like, scientific underpinnings of, uh, for, like, our perception of salt in, in wine. There's this interesting English language article uh, online from a, a publication called 750 Daily, and it's a mystery. Like, uh, you know, our, sure. our perception of a lot of different flavors in wine is, is a mystery, and, 
it's it's so um, contingent, you know. So so sometimes you know we perceive wines that are higher in acidity as having some of that saltiness. Sometimes we perceive wines that are you know less fruity as, as as salty. Sometimes you know there actually are chemical constituents and salts in wine that you know lead us to believe that sure. there's something salty. So I think there's this like whole ecosystem there sí, that sí, sí. Uh, you know is driving that perception. Sí. Mine is a totally empiristic opinion. There's no science behind yeah. my, my words. No? <laughs> I, I didn't study the why it's salty, but I imagine that the influence from the, the wind that comes from the sea that is bringing some salt, yeah. no? and the soil is the, the key. No? The, well, the I mean, I could see, like, in the vineyard, you know, in the winery, it's hard not to taste this wine and then in the afternoon smell the wind and not imagine that, you know, that is the source of, you know, the smell and the taste sí, in the wine. Sí. If you feel the, the saltiness on the wind... The grapes can feel the saltiness on the wind too. No? Yeah, yeah. Then uh, I think that's there's a big relationship, no? There's a, between all these things that happens, no? The yeah, terroir. Like Last is the terroir. Is the where you are, the influence that you receive. It rains, not rains. The wind, the wind, the sun, all the influence that are receiving the the grapes is something that at last finish on the bottle, no? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you know if you. <laughs> Look, if you dig too deep for the scientific underpinnings of it all, you're kind of missing the whole point. Um, all right, so uh, there's a really rich tradition of uh, Catalan poetry. Um, and uh, this is in English, I'm sorry, my, my Catalan is, is rusty, but I wanted to make sure we featured a Catalan poet. And uh, this is Salvador Espriu. Uh, Salvador Espriu, sí. yeah. Yeah, uh, familiar? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So very famous. <laughs> I know. I know who he's. <laughs> yeah, so he's not very, my friend. <laughs> very famous. Well, he's yeah. He's, so he's he's dead. Uh, yeah, he's, he's passed on. He's yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but very famous 20th century um, Catalan poet, and a lot of Catalan poetry, especially from the 20th century, is kind of dark. You have to imagine like Catalonia under Franco was you know pretty consistently oppressed, and uh, so um, you know everything. Even when you're celebrating, you know the landscape, it's it's twinged with this kind of sadness like uh like tristeza they say like in sí, spanish sí. but that's not uh um wasn't easy wasn't easy yeah, wasn't yeah. easy <laughs> yeah. to be depending on what you were wasn't easy <laughs> yeah, <laughs> during yeah. This um season. but uh, uh this is a translation from magda bogan and the poem is called beside the sea beside the sea i had a house my dream beside the sea high prow i sailed my agile skiff along free waterways my eyes knew all the peace and order of a little land How I need to tell you what dread the rain awakens on the window panes. Today my dark night falls on my house. Black rocks draw me to shipwreck. Captive of canticle, my effort vain. Who will lead me to the dawn? At the sea's edge, I had a house, a slow dream. Salut, salut. So kind of final question for you here, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, this, I think, invites a, a long answer. You're part of the first generation in Catalonia, so you're born after Franco deposed, sí. unless you're older than I think. I born the same year he died. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't realize? Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look, you look younger than that. Uh, yeah. um, so you were, you're truly part of, like, that, like, post-Franco generation in, in, in Catalonia. What, what was it like growing up in Um, you know, that era of Spain and, and um, you know, what is so special about, um, you well, know, I, uh, that place? The, the special is that I didn't notice nothing. I grow normally and I think that the transition was quite normal, no problems, and was something natural, no? To yeah. Like the way. And I, I didn't, I, I heard a lot about before, no? Uh, for my parents and my grandparents, no. But um, yo, I didn't notice nothing, no. Uh, after this, um, I yeah. didn't lift the change, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're blissfully ignorant of sure. uh, life, life, you know, before uh, uh, Franco passed away. You know what? You know, for you, um, having traveled as much as you traveled, it's your fourth time to Washington D.C. You know what makes Catalonia different from other corners of the world, what makes it such a special place to make wine and to, to live? Well, I think that uh, I thought because every time uh, I travel, I change more my thinking, no? because uh, the first time you came, uh, you can imagine that uh, 
just you are just on the on the traditional regions, just are producing the good wines, no? But every time you travel, you realize that uh, yesterday we tried a wine that, and, and I've been in Rocklands too, and we realize that a lot of people is doing very good wine and with a good, very good philosophy of wine making. And November, last November I was in Canada and I tasted so many different wines in Canada, visiting oh, some yeah. wineries too, and I enjoy it a lot. No? Then uh, I think that's magic, no? that, 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 that as much you travel, much you open your mind, much influence you receive, and much you can improve your life and your philosophy of working. No? Uh, for me, it's very interesting, especially going to here, because I think that we have good friends here and we meet a lot of people and I enjoy it, no? To share some... Yesterday, we were on the bakery having dinner, no? Wow, they invited me. Wow, wow, it's amazing, no? It's something unique that... Um, in there, I don't know, it happens, but I never did it in Spain, no? In Catalonia. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Something like this, no? So it's spontaneous, no? Yeah, the people is more. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's more difficult though to to arrive at this point, no? Than here. Yeah. But uh, I love travel. I love meet people. I love share some time, and here the people has really are very interested or really interested in the wine, on the winemaking, on our history, on our life, and for us. It's really good. This is the reason why I come every year because I enjoy a lot. I come. I came with my family. <laughs> my daughter always want to come because oh, really? she has friends here. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday she went to school. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> she told me, "Hey, I want to go to school with my friends." Okay, go to school. <laughs> then, is uh, yes, it's, we enjoy a lot coming here. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I imagine you enjoy hosting people. Yes. At uh, your winery as well. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Just uh, everybody who wants coming to visit us in our place. Just I have no website yet. Uh, perhaps in I will have a website. I will contact info, but yeah, by Instagram <laughs> can contact me by Instagram, <laughs> and we have the winery open. No, no tasting for everybody. room. No tasting room. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's uh, a <laughs> our house. No? Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No tasting room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All outside. Yeah. <laughs> We're not prepared for a visit. It's not uh, winery prepared for visits, but <laughs> we will give all we have. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Ignacio. It's such a pleasure to uh, taste uh, two vintages of um, the Salinar, uh, Chirello, and uh, to uh, trade thoughts with you um, about uh, these two salty sorts of wines. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, as always, uh, if you like the sound of what we are drinking, uh, these wines will be available uh, across the street from our Line Hotel studio at Revelers Hour. Uh, I can't promise that, sadly, for uh, the South African, but definitely uh, bringing in uh, 2019 of uh, your single vineyard, Shirello, uh, uh, for people to sample, uh, in addition to uh, the wines that we carry already from your uh, portfolio, sir. Uh, thank you all for... Joining us for this edition of the Universe in a Glass. Stay tuned and stay thirsty.